Hello, audio-only listener. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. This is a recording of a live podcast episode that aired live on YouTube. We usually go live at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesdays. That being said, we may be making references to things that can only be seen on screen. Don't worry, you're not going to miss out on any information because of this. Just some things may not make sense because we're making a reference to something that is on screen. And with that out of the way, thank you so much for joining us and enjoy the episode. Welcome to uh, Killing the Church, another episode. You know what we do here. We talk about topics that are killing the church or need to be killed in the church. Mr. 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 Vaz, Mr. Brad, <laughs> you're not wearing a flat cap today. I'm disappointed. No, no, I am not. Nope. This was a, this was a gift from my father. I know. And, I was uh, there when it happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I figured I'd, I figured I'd feature it on uh on tonight's episode yeah yeah looking uh looking very yeshivish looking very ashkenazi <laughs> <laughs> looking yeah. like a proper lubavitch <laughs> boy <laughs> <laughs> do you say you know what's really funny is last time i was at the i was doing shabbos with the community um one of the daughters of the family that i was hanging out with I didn't realize that this was something that they said i thought it was really a joke but they apparently use this as an idiom all the time um but they were talking about somebody and they were like, hey, does he speak oi-oi? And I was like, that's a real phrase? And they're like, yeah, like, you know, Hebrew. Does he speak oi-oi? <laughs> wow. <laughs> because, you know, Ashkenazi Hebrew has got a lot of oi's in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really funny. So That's anyway. terrific. <laughs> yeah, enough, uh, enough comedy. Time to get serious. <laughs> we don't do that here. Um, shalom, it's not everyone. funny, is it? It's serious. <laughs> so, uh, this particular episode is brought to you by our top tier Patreon supporters. This is a Patreon request, actually. This is why the episode is brought to you. That, and we don't have sponsors yet, so you guys are our sponsors. <laughs> um, so, once again, thank you to all of our uh, all of our uh, supporters. By the way, every single dollar means uh, the world to us, and. Uh, those things are being given away in the forms of many gifts. Last week, we gave away tons of books. <laughs> and uh, uh, what else? Oh, and we've decided that we're doing a giveaway every month, every month for our special, our supporters, our Patreon supporters, whether or not it's a dollar. Giveaway. Yeah, not a small. Not the same as last time. We're not doing it big. Yeah, that's right. That's a good point. Yeah, we're not that's doing it big. That's a once uh, a year thing. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that the Pareem giveaway is once a year. The uh, once a month though, we'll do a book. We're gonna take one book, one random book, something from our libraries. Um, we'll we'll purchase a brand new copy, obviously, so you don't have to read all of my notes and markings. Although, you know what? Some of y'all might want that. Um, now that I think about it, but uh, you'll get a brand new book, uh, and we'll do uh, one random winner from the Patreon list. We'll we'll get that book once a month. So. Um, uh, as a small thank you for your continued support. Uh, cool. So, you guys, there's your shout out. Some names I can't pronounce. Oh, a uh, quick question to the chat. Everybody in the chat, tell me what you'd rather. Would you rather smooth jazz or electro swing jazz? Take your pick because I've got both background musics ready to go. <laughs> C, 
see. My man here's got it. <laughs> Half Blood Half Prince, Prince edition. Ooh, that's ooh. <laughs> this is this is the appeal of giving away our personal books. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the best <laughs> reference though. Just then. Uh, so while we wait for them to pick which kind of music they'd like to hear in the background softly, uh, it is traditions time. Ah, yes. So what are you having? Tradition. <laughs> Tradition. I am uh, probably going to, well, maybe not polish off, but I'll, I'll, I'll put a hurting on again, the, uh, this Four yeah. Roses. You were just battery. battering that bottle. <laughs> well, okay. So because the... Most of most of this was Purim, so like better better part of the better part of half of it was gone for Purim. That's that's fair. Um, we got one one in here for smooth jazz. Is it, is it playing? I don't hear it. I hear nothing. Supposed to be playing. Come on. Come on. I don't know. I don't I don't know why it's not playing. That's playing. Ah. I guess you guys get electro swing today instead. Um I'll I'll uh maybe I'll fix it. Anyway, so I'm <laughs> technical difficulties as we always have cuz we need a producer. Um I am having uh you know what? Let me let me get rid of this uh our our brand real quick. Um I'm doing the Macallan 12. Um, ah. What a yeah. good one. The Sherry Oak, uh, particularly. Because they have multiple yes. 12 years, but this is the best one. Yep. So, you know, I do got to say, because I don't think that last time, because we were so eager to get to the giveaway, I don't think I gave this Four Roses an actual review. Um, you've, you've been doing the Four Roses for like four episodes. <laughs> no, no. I was yes. doing the Elijah Craig for like four episodes. Oh, that's true, actually. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yep. That's gone now. Um, oh, good. <laughs> but, so I liked the Elijah Craig. It wasn't bad. It wasn't my favorite, but it wasn't bad. But I do got to say, the this Four Roses has got to be like my favorite bourbon that I've tried so far, right? Because mm -hmm. I, I haven't really experimented that much with bourbon. I've been mostly a whiskey and scotch guy here, you know, for the past, since you've known me. Yeah. Um. So I've ventured out and started trying different bourbons. And I got to say, this so far has been my absolute favorite. Uh, it's got like the sweetness that a whiskey has with the earthiness of a scotch, but like bolder. Hmm. Interesting. I don't like bourbons, so I just sit here and and just like, yep, whatever, cool. Sounds sounds garbage <laughs> to me, but <laughs> um, I'm also to uh, so I've I've reviewed the McAllen Twelve before. Sherry is my favorite, as everyone knows. Um, but I'm also uh, having these Amens. <laughs> I call these oh, my amen, amen beer because truly, a amen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amen. But uh, yeah, so I'll be sipping on the the Macallan whiskey and um, a new little um, get the banner going on here. So last thing uh, before we move on into the topic, don't forget to bless that like button and a nomine patria filiate spiritu sancti that subscribe button. We appreciate your support. It's the best way you can help us out. <laughs> Do you hate that, or do you like that? Uh, I was gonna say that's a little as a little Catholic there. Guy. Yeah, good. Your Irish started <laughs> going. I know many Catholics with you. It's better to sound gay. 
<laughs> Props to anybody else who it, catches that reference. I was going to say it, it's less of a Catholic reference and more of a completely different reference entirely. Yep. <laughs> yep. You know, for those people, for those, for those people, bad people that, you know, need to, to, to justice yeah to to pray over them <laughs> cool so tonight's topic is the holy spirit a couple of things for those of you who didn't read the description in the video what even is the holy spirit in the ancient mindset what does it mean to be filled with the spirit this is the specific request of the patreon actually uh what does this yep. mean um and <laughs> Uh, and, uh, yeah. And so how that changes our viewpoint and we're going to go over some context and stuff. Obviously, you know what we do here. We like to challenge the status quo anyway, to steal a line from the church split. (laughs) Yeah, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, props, Will. (laughs) Ah, he's got his church split. Uh, everything good. Always. (laughs) Yep. That's, that's like the only beer mug that I use on this show is my church split, uh, beer glass. (laughs) At a certain point, uh, they owe us for um, <laughs> they owe us for royal advertising. <laughs> nah, he, yeah. nah, he he low key be dropping 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 our name on his show all the time. That's true. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but so I think this is a really important topic, actually, um, because even within within normative Christianity, within evangelical Christianity. There are varying opinions about the function of the Holy Spirit in 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 more intricate detail. There's there's kind of a universal agreement among Christians about the Holy Spirit, which is where it fits in the uh, in the Trinity. Hey, my man! <laughs> now we're kind of like matching, sort of. Mine's a different shape. Mine's a different shape than yours. Uh, just a little bit, not not by much, not by much, but um. As, as far as normative Christianity, they obviously uh, most of the normative Christianity believes the Holy Spirit to be one of the persons of the Trinity. Um, but where it delivers and offers uh, gifts and inspiration is where there's a level of disagreement among Christians. Um, whereas in the in the more strict, rigid practices of christianity the holy spirit doesn't really function that much um it it's i guess it's viewed more as a as as like a a low-grade uh superhuman inspiration whereas in the more in the more charismatic branches of christianity it's it's like it's a real deal change your life change your abilities as a human being kind of thing you know it's it, it's almost a, a magic spell, uh, you could say. It's, uh, it's, I would say, depending on the denomination, sometimes it's got almost no focus. Uh, and then in the more charismatic uh, denominations, it's almost the central focus. Is how I would, I think I would put that. Yeah. And it also and- is, is more manipulative than biblical <laughs> well so that's kind of what i was getting around to is that for the for the torah practicing community at large um because a lot of them come out of even 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 in the messianic circles right 
the messianic circles tend to be more conservative uh, evangelical, but they would still qualify as charismatic among conservative evangelical Christian circles, right? So, you know, you've, you've got like these two extremes and then messianics tend towards one side, but they're still not as far in that direction as the farthest Christians would be. Whereas like on the Hebrew root side, it's like they come straight out of charismatic Christianity um, in, in many cases. And so the, there's almost a, a very similar view of the Holy Spirit between messianics, Hebrew roots and what have you. Um, and it's like all they do is stop calling it the Holy Spirit and they start calling it the Ruach or the Ruach HaKodesh, you know, <laughs> Ruach for short. And nothing about the theology concerning the Holy Spirit changes. Nothing about the the actual idea of what it is and how it functions changes. They just start calling it by its Hebrew title um, and then continue with the same ideology. And that's why I think that this is going to be important is because, you know, this is another one of those things where you really have to stop and ask yourself, okay, what was the Jewish perspective on what the Holy Spirit was? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we tend to do that here. We try to go as far back right to the church of acts as possible uh i don't even like using the, the assembly of acts excuse me the minion of acts i guess <laughs> right um but uh yeah and so naturally um the idea is so what is what is the jewish understanding what what is uh the the concept is birthed out of judaism it later becomes a christian adaptation so is the jewish understanding different from the christian adaptation uh, hint, yes, it very much is. And so we're going to try and go backtrack and uh, figure out what this uh, Jewish understanding is. We've got plenty of resources here, so make sure you guys have your pens and papers ready to go to take plenty of notes. I've got tons of Talmudic tractate resources uh, and citations for you. So, um, yeah, so what even is, right? So you and I, we, we've been pretty open about this. We're not Trinitarian. Uh, so then what, what is the Holy Spirit for us? Because uh, obviously we don't think of the Holy Spirit as a person of the Trinity. Um, so what is it? Well, it is the, <laughs> the motion and function of God's will, right? Uh, which which this, the, the example that I'm about to give, uh, Trinitarians have tried to qualify as partialism. And I, generally it's just a misunderstanding of the concept. But the 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 way that i've described it is that if if my mind right if my brain wants to pick up this glass my hand is the mode by which i achieve that my hand has no personhood it's not detached from me it is part of me now i am still me regardless of whether or not i have this hand i'm still i'm still bradley at the end of the day um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not lesser than me if I'm absent this hand. Um, and <laughs> so I, that's where, that's where the idea that, well, that's partialism. That's, that's where that falls apart. Um, no, my, my hand is the, the mode by which the actions that my mind desires to accomplish, uh, are accomplished. That would be what the Holy Spirit is. I, I tend to see a lot, uh, especially in the Torah practicing community, treat it almost like the force in Star Wars, <laughs> like this mysterious, unknowable, 
force uh, that descends on who it will and whispers to who it will arbitrarily. Midichlorians. Right? <laughs> yeah, you're right. It, 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 there, is, there is absolutely no rhyme or reason to it, and that's, and that's kind of the cop-out that's used a lot of times. It's like, well, that's just the spirit, and it's like, well, that's not really how that works. Yeah, so I like your, uh, your brain in your hand. Um, and that is kind of partialism, though. I mean, admittedly, but you know, whatever. Uh, we're not Trinitarian anyway. But uh, there's still, it's still is a, it's an allegory that still kind of falls apart, right, in its literal sense. Sure. And actually, uh, I the first time I had this question, I think it was your your father who gave me the best uh, allegory, which I ended up finding the exact same allegory in Talmud later on. Nice. Yeah, so, and I have the citation here, but I, I remember as I was like, okay, so then what exactly is the Holy Spirit? And he was like, well, first of all, God is spirit. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit is more or less a circumlocution for the spirit of God, for God, uh, the Father, because, um, you know, he is spirit. So it's kind of redundant, but right. Um, the Holy Spirit is a a sort of a, a, a as, as, as the spirit of God descends through dimensions, right? Um, this is sort of mystical, right? Tanya kind of goes over this a little bit. Um, it it becomes less of its actual source. It doesn't doesn't degrade in that it's uh, in its originality, but its uh, corp corporeality is, is sort of changes in its state. Basically, he said, if the sun, right, the sun in the sky, the big orange glowy thing that all Irishmen hate, <laughs> um, if that is god well then the the sun rays the light of the sun is the ruach hakodesh the, the holy spirit ruach hakodesh is just the and and i thought that was actually a pretty good like you know we we still say that the sunlight we still call that the sun right like, well the sun is shining through the window you actually the sun is not technically shining through the window some in some cases you can't even see the sun through the window depending on the angle you're at but the, the light is sort of the sun in its uh in its form as it descends through a dimension. So I actually, I, I, I love, I love that we're using this analogy. Um, I usually cringe at, at the idea of having to use the sun as an analogy for, for something to explain God because, uh, because yeah. of other inherent implications behind that. Um, it, and it comes yeah. off as like, uh, like rebuilding a new Christianity. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, what, what I love about the idea of, of this analogy in particular, since we have brought dimensions into it, um, is that you can't actually see individual rays of the sun normally on, a, on a, like a bright, clear day. That can't happen, right? Because there's no, there's no barrier between you. There's no contraction between you, right? But on a day where it's just cloudy enough to where you can, you can actually see you know, what they call God rays because of how it looks on the horizon, right? Where you can actually see a ray of light peeking through the clouds because there's an actual barrier between you, right? There's an actual contraction between you through which the sun is now being filtered. <laughs> yeah. And so it looks different on the other side and it's, it's much more diminished from itself. This would we would call this barrier in mysticism a klipa, a shell. Right. <laughs> For those of you following along in our daily Tanya, uh, you understand why we use the term now that the, the 
the klipa, the klipa noga, the shell, like this concealment sort of barrier. Um, uh, if there weren't a barrier, right? If God were literally in his concentrated form, literally everywhere, right? In, a, in, a, in his no crap concentrated form, the world would be consumed by his holiness and everything would sort of cease to exist like a match being thrown into a big bonfire. Yeah. Um, so this barrier is... But obviously, God is still omnipresent, and that's where the Holy Spirit sort of comes in. It is, it is the sunlight through the barrier where God is still totally omnipresent and in interacting within this world, but not in his concentrated form. And so for those of you wondering what that uh, tractate in the Talmud was, um, I got it here. The most frequent of the terms, actually, and we'll get into this, uh, the Shekhinah, um, which is sometimes used uh, interchangeably. Shekhinah means dwelling. Um, it's usually, uh, some, some people might catch this reference from uh, when, when the presence of God dwells and sits on the mercy seat, right, of the ark in the tabernacle. Um, Shekhinah is, is kind of where that comes from, but it denotes a manifestation of God upon the stage of the world, although he abides in the faraway heaven. Um, so the same way with the sun in the sky, it illuminates with its rays every corner of the earth. So too the Shekhinah, uh, is the, the effulgence of God may, uh, make its presence felt everywhere. That's from Sanhedrin 39A, Sanhedrin 39 Alpha. Um, so that's the citation for that. So that's, that's kind of an explanation of the Shekhinah. And uh, once again, there's sort of inter. There are times where Shekhinah and, and Ruach Hakodesh uh, is used interchangeably, um, right? And I do have a source for that. Uh, it's Numbers Rabbah uh, thirteen six. If you're wondering, where you actually see like Shekhinah and Holy Spirit sort of being used interchangeably, um, but uh, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> interesting. In- interesting indeed, right? Yeah. Yeah, no. So what I did actually, because in Christianity, it's it's called the Holy Spirit, right? That is the predominant title that we're used to. And it's used so much in Christianity that you would figure that it is ubiquitous throughout Scripture, right? As it turns out, it's not. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um the so the absolute most used phrase for what people might might conflate as the holy spirit is uh spirit of the lord right uh which is used a total of 31 times between the old and new testament most of them in the old testament uh it's actually only used five times in the new testament um and then the second after that is going to actually be the spirit of god which is used 26 times total uh, 14 times in the Tanakh and 12 times in the New Testament. Holy Spirit, <laughs> as it is, is used a total of seven times. Yep, it's a very rare term. It's Yeah, it does not appear very often. Um, and so the interesting thing is uh, there is a level of conflation between all of these uh, that, that will... You know, it is essentially what people would say is like, okay, to distinguish between these is is an argument in semantics. Um, yeah. 
that's true in part. Yeah, like Shekinah、um, and, and Ruach Hakodesh, kind of. Right, but so between between Spirit of God, right, Ruach Elohim, and、uh, Spirit of the Lord,、uh, there there is a slight difference.、Um, but I will say, as a general rule, what we do see is for most of them, when you see them, it is almost always that a duty is being given. Now, spirit of the Lord tends to be a little bit more particular. It tends to be much more specific to、um, leadership and and rulership and kingship,、uh, which spirit of God is used in these instances too. But the spirit of God is actually also used、uh, of the architect of the temple, right? The spirit of God came on him and、uh, essentially offered、uh, the inspiration or the the master plan for the tabernacle, if you will. Um, you know that's that's one instance in 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 which it's used in which okay so this person is being given a duty right there's a duty assigned to this person and that is intrinsically attached to this spirit of God coming upon him、um, is that there is a specific duty attached to that、uh, and this this same goes for most well yeah most of the judges that we read about throughout the book of Judges、uh, and several of the prophets. And believe it or not,、uh, it's actually used a lot of King Saul, Spirit of God in particular, used a lot of King Saul, particularly with reference to prophecy,、um, which is、uh, Scripture even says this is why it's 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 questioned as to whether or not Saul was also among the prophets. I was going to say,、um, typically,、uh, what we see in at least Talmudic literature and biblical literature, the Ruach Hakodesh,、um, even though it's rarely called that, is. Usually,、uh, in in connection with a gift, a spiritual gift, particularly prophecy,、um, and so it's it's kind of、uh, an understanding that really,、uh, so that the, the ruach hakodesh is sort of how God speaks to the world, and He usually uses a prophet as a chariot, right, as a vessel,、um, as a mouthpiece, so that the the、uh, so when God speaks. He, you know, the Holy Spirit essentially descends on a prophet, and the prophet opens his mouth and he speaks the word of God. Essentially, that's kind of usually how you see it、uh, in rabbinic literature. Yep.、Um, and I think I had. Let me see here. Oh yeah, and so the, j- just to this omnipresence, right, of the Shechina, right? Like, it's it's this this idea is that the Ruach Hakodesh is the thing that is om omnip. Present, more or less. God is omnipresent,、um, but obviously the concentration that is God actual <laughs>、uh, is is in the heavens, right? Your your throne seated in the heavens, kind of thing. There's this sort of separateness, but also here togetherness、uh, in in imperfect unity. So the Shechina,、uh, just to read from a few things,、um, this is actually where the the idea of the Kippa actually comes about. By the way, so some of you、um, maybe had that question.、Um, I'm not sure if we covered that yet, but essentially、uh, we see phrases like,、uh, "And whence it is that when ten assemble, a minion, ten men assemble for prayer, the Shechina is in their midst." As it is said,、uh, God sendeth in the good, the godly congregation. That's it's、uh, a, a quote. That's from man. I wrote it down here. 
Exodus Rabba, actually. Exodus Rabba 34. Midrash. Uh, and it is said, and whence is, is it that when three sit and judge, this one's good, you'll like this one. And whence is it that when, when three sit and judge, the Shekhinah is in their midst? Where two or three are gathered? <laughs> right. Uh, when talking right. of halacha, I mean, so, it's like it's almost like Jesus was quoting Talmud or something weird. <laughs> one of the one of the primary differences that I would like to point out, though, between the Ruach Elohim and uh, you know Spirit of the Lord, which I it would be like Ruach uh, Yud Vavke, um, is the 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 association with war and and uh battle that specifically applies to spirit of the lord we don't see this as often with spirit of god um if if at all uh if i'm remembering correctly uh but it's 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 in the majority of cases that you see spirit of the lord um, that it is so, yeah. It is a judge that is being uh, called out, or a, or a king uh, being uh, being uh, selected, um, or even a prophet. Uh, but the judges, in particular, are being selected to lead a military campaign. The same with these kings, actually. There, that's it's it, 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 the the way that the passages almost flow is that these people are selected. It, it describes the spirit of the Lord coming on to them um, and and then the military campaign that they were either to lead or started leading or, you know, it, it, there's there's a an intrinsic uh, connection between the role of these people who are selected by the spirit of the Lord uh, and their role as military leaders Um even when it comes to the prophets that this phrase is used in connection with, what they're prophesying in most cases is either Israel winning victory over their enemies, so still war, uh, or Israel being judged, um, in which case it, they're losing a war against their enemies. Uh, but war and war and you know military campaign seems to still be at the center of where we see this phrase. That's actually an interesting observation that I had not made. Yeah, yeah, you don't see, see it as much with Spirit of God. Well, uh, we were sharing notes backstage, and you failed to share that piece with me. That's <laughs> uh, so I got a couple more things here. Um, let's see. Uh, what is it? Ah. Oh, there's another thing. And whence it is uh, that when two sit and occupy themselves with the study of Torah, the Shekhinah is in their midst. Uh, I remember now I was going uh, to talk about how this, this is where the, the idea of the Kippah comes in. Um, this idea that if you're basically everywhere you go, the Shekhinah rests over your head and the, the Kippah is d sort of designed to be a reminder um, that over your head rests the Ruach HaKodesh, essentially, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, a circumlocution for the Shekhinah. Um, and, uh, and so it's, it's kind of a reminder as well as like a modesty thing, right? You, you, you would want to make sure that you're adequately dressed, uh, when standing before the King kind of thing. Um, like you and I do on the show, we tend to make sure that we're 
dressed rather nicely for the show, uh, and that's that's part of the reason for that, actually. Uh, for those of you who didn't know, we're not just trying to uh, Justin Timberlake this and bring... And <laughs> but, uh, so Joshua Foote actually had a quick uh, question in Psalm 51.13 when David is asking God not to withdraw his spirit from him. Is that the same type of spirit that Yeshua said would be with his followers today after he ascended? Um, so that's a good question, actually. Let me just double check. Uh, and it, so it's always hard to determine where which one would have been used in the New Testament because the New Testament was written in Greek and it's not an exact one-to-one -one equivalent with the same phrases in Hebrew. Um, but you can make some inferences. Uh, now, the example that you're that you're referencing is from what passage again? Psalm 51.13. Right. Okay. Yep. Psalm 51.13. Hang on. Because I know I actually had a note on that. I was going to say, so while you're looking, uh, yeah, I would, so my initial thought is, yeah, um, this idea actually, and, and um, I can't remember where this is in the time of the, the idea is essentially that uh, whenever you, uh, God will only dwell where he is welcomed, right? So the Shekhinah will only dwell uh, wherever it is welcome. And uh, so when you commit idolatry or you're, you're living in sin or you, or you have a puffed up ego, uh, when your when your eye is bigger than he essentially, um, then he doesn't dwell there because he's not welcome there. So um, you know David seems to be begging not to uh, have this level of separation from uh, the spirit. That's uh, and you got some some Hebrew going on. You looking it up? You find it? Right. Yeah. So this would be yeah this would be one of the uses of of actual you know ruach hakodesh the Holy Spirit. Um, which in, in the new Testament, that's not what we see descending on Yeshua. Uh, I guess, so it's not the same phrase. Uh, I believe that that is actually spirit of God. Yes. Matthew three sixteen is where we see the spirit of God descending like a dove. Um, but what, so what's interesting actually is, uh, Psalm 51, 11 um, is that the Holy Spirit, we see that this is synonymous with having a clean heart. Um, and, and he mentioned specifically a renewed spirit, right? This is renewed. This is, uh, Hadesh is the same root for Hadeshah, like Brit Hadeshah, the new covenant, uh, or renewed covenant. If we're being accurate to, to the Hebrew here. Um, and in, in this same passage, it, it's also synonymous with David, or the psalmist here, uh, David being in in the position uh, of a teacher who teaches the Torah. So again, we're still seeing we're seeing uh, it being associated with authority and leadership. And... Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. This is Mizmor le David. Uh, so it is a song of David. Uh... Um, so you don't have to say the psalmist here, uh, it, real quickly, actually. So to kind of, mm, you know what, finish your thought first before I move on to that. Actually, I don't even know where I was going. Train derailed. Everyone died. Cool. It's not been important. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, actually, 
So we got a couple of questions uh, rolling in here. Isn't there a different interpretation of the spirit as we see it being used as a evil with King uh, Shaul, a spirit Ooh. with King prophets? That's actually a, a fantastic question. <laughs> this, uh, this is one of my favorites, actually. So um, it it is not it's not the same. So here's what happens in in First Samuel 16. Uh, we're talking verses 13 and 14 here. All right, is that the spirit of the Lord, right? So again, remember remember the difference in the phrases that we're using here. Spirit of the Lord, uh, we're referring to King Saul, who was a military leader at this point. Um, it is taken from him and given to David. This is this is kind of almost a, a synonymous occurrence uh, as to the 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 proximity of the passages when David is anointed king and when Saul has this this spirit of the Lord removed from him. Now mm -hmm. the next verse mentions that in its place God sent an evil spirit from the Lord. Um. Right? So this is this is not it's not it's not quite the same as as a a spirit uh, oh. a spirit of the Lord. Uh this is this is a spirit from the Lord. Which raises a whole lot of questions about uh, what demons are and what their function is. Yeah, actually. <laughs> and I think we did touch on this a little bit in our demonology episode. We actually have to revisit that one. Yeah, there's and, a lot. Uh, there's a lot I, more if there. We put that in the notes to revisit that one, actually. So that's something that we will come back to. Good question, though. I uh, like where your thoughts are going. I like the like you, you know how to think when the questions come like that. So that's a good one. Um, what's happening with the Holy Spirit that overcomes Mary? This is actually a good opportunity to basically give a brief synopsis of what we mean. Uh, like, what is the Ruach HaKodesh? I would say in a very simple form, right? We'll take, take out all of the extra stuff that we've been saying and trying to explain in Hebrew and stuff. Essentially, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, is how God interacts with the world. It is simply the means by which God interacts in the world. Would I be wrong in saying that, sir? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Although, so it's interesting because I did do a word search for, for Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, and Spirit of the Lord. And whatever hovered over Mary, that's not one of the passages that showed up. So I'm I'm curious actually to go there. Let's see. Yeah, I was gonna say you look that up. Um, yeah, it's not in Luke two. Okay. So it's got to be in Matthew one. Oh, real quick, actually, just something I wanted to point out that's in the Talmudic literature. Um, uh, we, we, we've, uh, we, I was having this conversation today uh, with somebody, and essentially they were saying um, that there are certain Jewish sources that uh, uh, that seem to indicate that when the Messiah comes, the he can he can do away with Torah. Um, that's not true. Uh, the particular person cited some verses, and they were stuff like during the Messianic era, uh, sin offerings won't be necessary. Well, that's different from abolished. Uh, not necessary because no one is sinning is completely different from getting rid of them, uh, regardless of, of sin. Anyway, uh, this is from, uh, what is, this is Exodus Rabbah 
28, Exodus Rabbah 28, it followed from, uh, from, uh, from this expression that Moses gave, gave utterance to all the words, um, that nothing spoken by a latter prophet could in any way be in conflict with or add or detract from the writings of Moshe, of Moses. Um, yeah, so, it, yeah, it doesn't go, it's not going anywhere. And that's, uh, and that's actually in reference to, there's, uh, the reason that's uh, relevant is because he, he prophesied with the gift of prophecy, spoke with the Ruach HaKodesh in the same, in the same passage from Exodus Rabbah. Uh, and so because of this heightened sense of um, Ruach HaKodesh, in its most concentrated form found in Moses, coming from God, uh, nothing, can, nothing can overstep this, essentially. <laughs> Not even the other prophets. <laughs> um, and then a, in the following passage, it, uh, the Holy Spirit, which uh, alights on the prophets, only does so in a, in a small measure. Um, so... Yeah. Anyway, you find what you were looking for? Yeah, Luke one thirty five. The interesting thing is it does not show up like in 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 my word search at all, which now admittedly this is a KJV. Um the which the this app that I've got the word search on. Um so I'm curious now. Thirty five. Oh, it's because it translates Holy Ghost in the KJV. <laughs> Lame. <laughs> well, I'm curious now because I forgot that the KJV was that lame. So now I've got to do a word search for Holy Ghost. Just Real quick, uh, yeah, while you do that, Joshua Foote also asked, um, where is it spoken or alluded to in the Tanakh that the Messiah would give the Holy Spirit to his followers? Not in the Tanakh, but it is in Jewish sources. Um, and in fact, I have one here ready. Uh, the time will come when the prophets uh, will be abolished, but not the Pentateuch, not the Torah. And then when everybody, this is the, the most important part, it's um, uh, Ber, uh, it's Berachot 34 Bravo. When everybody is obedient to the commandments, there will be no further need for the prophetic exhortations which were only intended for a sinful world and not the era of perfection to be inaugurated by the Mashiach. So there actually, this, there is this idea uh, that um, the, everyone will possess, right? The, the Ruach HaKodesh at the messianic age. Uh, and, and keeping in mind that like, we're, we're, the, the Ruach HaKodesh is very particular in the Jewish mindset connected with the gift of prophecy. Uh, everybody has the Shekhinah resting over them, uh, but being having the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit is usually connected to the gift of prophecy, being able to prophesy in some way. And, uh, and yes, uh, this is actually another thing um, that was uh, talked about in a previous uh, passage. Uh, or in a previous conversation where, you know, some people are called prophetists or prophets and we have no writings that survive from these prophets or prophetess. What's how, how exactly, what's the validity of these uh, prophets that are spoken of in like the New Testament that are, that sort of go nameless and, and without any writing. Um, uh, and then uh, actually this is from, um, the, the, the citation is MEG 
14 Alpha, only the prophecy which was required for subsequent generations was written down. And what was not so required was not committed to writing. So it's possible for, you know, prophets to exist and still, you know, be able to do gifts of prophecy uh, and then they not be considered a major prophet or have a major writing uh, after them, things like that. Um, would that be the reason for Shalom Aleichem being recited on Shabbat? <laughs> I love that song, by the way. I just recently learned a new version of it that I absolutely love. <laughs> Uh, but more or less, uh, part of that too is when you, uh, there's the belief in Judaism, it's a mystic belief, mystical belief, uh, but you receive a third spirit, a, th a third soul uh, on Shabbos. So the Shalom Aleichem is, is part of the reason for that. Um, and that's why you would say it as, as Shabbat begins. So it looks like, right, Holy Ghost in the KJV is used a total of 89 times. Wow. Only in the New Testament. It yeah. does not appear in the Old Testament anywhere Figures. ever. Right. They they because the KJV was translated specifically to establish the Trinitarian doctrine. So yeah. It, yeah. it stands for reason and it makes sense. But it's interesting enough. If you actually examine the examples in which it's used, which I didn't obviously I didn't do all 89, but I went through at least the gospels and checked out the verses real quick. Um again, it's it's it it seems a little hard to establish personhood from it. It it again still takes on exactly what we would think of uh in the discussion we've had concerning the uh the spirit of the Lord. Um the you know this this uh, force of God's will. Oh, okay. So uh, Romans eight twenty six, real quick, which is uh, based on Joshua Foote's uh, question: uh, What is the Jewish idea of the Spirit praying on your behalf? Can you elaborate on that? So, I would say so. This is partially in the context right in, in a jewish context you have your three daily prayers right um and it's a set of prayers a set of blessings and the blessings are meant to guide you in your thought process uh so you say the words out loud but you're meant to think about um just meant to concentrate on a particular subject as that as that comes up so obviously during the blessing for thanksgiving you think of all the times that you're thankful for the blessing for healing you think of the people who need healing um things like that and, and it goes on well, I, I, I would also say, in a sense, it, it, it acts as a as as a a connection point, a function of uh, what's the word I'm looking for, korban. You know that which draws near in in this aspect, right? Because so when going back to the idea that the the shekinah, you know, dwells above, you know, which is we 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 mentioned that's why the kippah, you know, is is there. Um, it. It's mentioned in Tanya in particular that it it resembles a flame, right? Uh, a flame in in which you, the person, are the wick, right? Now, without without something to actually fuel the flame, it will still burn out even on the wick. And so, how do you how do you how do you fuel this flame, right? How how do you, how do you keep it fed? Um, and that is what the mitzvahs serve to do but especially especially the times of prayer which 
makes perfect sense when we think about what the angel said to Cornelius when he said that your prayers are received as sacrifices, right? Because that's that's the only way that he could establish a, a sense of korban. That's that's the only way that he could draw near, right? Yeah. Was in in engaging in the daily prayers. So, um, always entered. Okay, so um, always entered. I guess the Holy Spirit could dwell. This there's a lot of typos with this question. Um, actually, this is a better. We just wonder how the Holy Spirit could dwell in an unclean temple as as we are the temple. Okay, so your body is a holy temple, uh, the temple for the the Shekhinah for the Ruach Hakodesh. That's kind of the the imagery being brought about there. Um, there's another citation here from Sota nine. So S O T nine fifteen. Zeal leads to cleanliness. Cleanliness to ritual purity. Ritual purity to self control. Self control to holiness. Holiness to humility. Humility to fear of sin, fear of sin to saintliness, and saintliness to the Holy Spirit. It's a very convoluted way of saying um, that there is a direct correlation to uh, how close the Shekinah or the Holy Spirit can dwell within you based on your your state, right? Your, your, your state of whether or not you're living currently in sin or not. Uh, this is actually why... There was a heightened sense of ritual purity in the first century. The idea was um, that, you know, if you if you eat bacon, uh, then the Shekhinah separates from you because you're in a state of ritual impurity. So that the Shekhinah can't draw as close to you as it normally would be because you are now an unclean temple. It's not to say that it's not near to you. It's still it's still all around you and near to you, but its closeness to you has been compromised. So this obsession with ritual purity is founded in the idea that the more ritually pure we are and the more sinless we are also on top of this means that we receive a greater measure of the Ruach HaKodesh as a result of our obedience, of our of our ritual purity. Um, and that's why we see this correlation with the, even like the obsession with washing hands before you eat bread where Yeshua has a, a conversation with the Pharisees about this. The reason that existed was because the priests do that in the temple. So there's this idea that if we do it too, then the Shekhinah is even closer. So that's that's kind of the idea. It's And I think it's worth explaining, actually, the difference between nearness and closeness, because mm -hmm. that can get confusing. Um, which is, I, I, I think one of the better ways to, to convey that is this. Uh, you and I are not near one another right now. <laughs> um, yeah. But we are close. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. Yes, right. we are. The, that's that's the that's the, the the difference between nearness and closeness. Nearness is proximity. Uh, closeness is is more of of a uh, a a bond of of the soul. I had a citation from Talmudic literature that said something along the lines of uh, just as humanity can control, you know what, actually, uh, basically just as humanity can have influence over the closeness of the Shekhinah um, and, and how far away it is, is uh, also has how close it is. Uh, just as prayer and sacred study make a person more sensitive to the Shekhinah, sin has the reverse effect of driving it away that the presence is not felt that's a good that's a good way of putting it whether or not you can feel the presence of the shekhinah is based on your ritual purity or your sinlessness or your state of being in sin or your state of being in a current state of ritual purity 
um, because your body is a temple. So the idea is you treat your body like a temple and you can feel the presence. So just as prayer and sacred study uh, and obedience make a person more sensitive to the Shekhinah, sin has the reverse effect, driving it away so that the presence is not felt. For all practical purposes, it is non-existent in some in some cases. The rabbis taught that whoever sins in secret prese- uh, presses against the feet of the Shekhinah. That's Kiddushin 31 Alpha. A man may not walk even four cubits with a haughty demeanor because the whole earth is full of his glory. Kiddushin 31 Alpha. Um, so there's actually a little story. Don't take the story literally, but this is just to illustrate that you have an effect on how far away or how close the Shekhinah is. Originally, uh, this is from Genesis Rabbah. Uh, this is from Genesis Rabbah 19. Originally, the place of the Shekhinah was in the lower regions. When Adam sinned, it ascended to the first heaven. When Cain sinned, it ascended to the second heaven. The generation of Enoch, it ascended to the third. The generation of the flood to the fourth. The generation of the Tower of Babel to the fifth. The men of Sodom caused it to depart to the sixth. And the Egyptians, in the time of Abraham, to the seventh. In contradistinction, uh, seven righteous men arose and made it descend. Abraham brought it down to the sixth. Isaac to the fifth. Jacob to the fourth. Levi to the third. Kohath to the second. And Aram, uh, Amram to the first. And Moses caused it to come down from above to below on earth in written form. I give you my soul in writing. Uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of, it, for lack of better words, it's the idea. <laughs> Right. And I I think I think it's worth addressing too because one of the reasons we did decide to do this was kind of the the dependency on the Holy Spirit that we see a lot of that that that's just not it's not one of the functions of the Holy Spirit, you know, that we see biblically. Um, which is, which is where, where people get the idea that, well, the Bible and the Holy Spirit, that's all you need. You know, there's, there's, there's nothing else that you really need to understand what the Bible is saying. Just the sola scriptura and the, the Ruach. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, that's, that's just not, that's just not how that works. Um, that's that's not really again if you if you go through uh if you go through all of the examples that we see of the spirit of god spirit of the lord holy spirit and even holy ghost in this aspect um that's not one of the functions that you're going to see is is <clears throat> uh, exegesis or or uh, even just interpretation right um it we do see it revealing uh certain you could say mysteries or secrets, but these are things that are very far away, right? That's 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 what a prophecy is. It's something that's so far away in time that like you can't see it. Like it's not something that could just be predicted. Um, but that's that's relative to the here and now. It's not necessarily relative to the text. Um, now I know everybody is like blowing up right now, thinking, "Well, what about this time that I was reading through the Bible and something just hit me the way it had never hit me before?" Right? Isn't that the Holy Spirit? And it's like, well, you're you can near, say in a sense. Yeah, in in a sense, you could say that it, your your closeness to the Holy Spirit is indicative of your of your mind being molded and and framed to and conformed to that of God's mind, right? 
And so the 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 closer you are to the Holy Spirit, the the more similar your mind will be to that of God's. And so you're going to see things in Scripture, right, that you wouldn't have otherwise seen. But that's not that's not necessarily that the Holy Spirit, you know, pointed the finger at you and said, I'm revealing this to you now. That's a, you know, that that really would have happened at any point while you're in that state. I was going to say, I will, I will say this, however, um, the, the Jewish idea is that all wisdom is revealed to man from God. So anytime you do right. get that whisper in the back of your head, we're like, Hey, this, there is, uh, in the Jewish mindset, that is, that is essentially the, the Shekhinah kind of whispering to you in a sense, because all wisdom is revealed. Um, and in, in, I, th I think the Jewish idea of this is the more holier you are, the more holy thoughts you have, the more holy life that you live, and then the more of, a, of, of access to holiness you have, I guess, is sort of the idea. Yeah. It's kind of like divine reward and punishment for obedience and sin kind of thing, um, which is one of the 13 principles. Um, so... Yeah. So, and for, yeah, so those of you wondering, this is a great resource. We just gave away one of these, uh, yeah. and, um, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of what was coming out of, uh, citation wise was from here. And we had one of the questions asking about it. Definitely highly recommend it. That's why we gave it away. <laughs> so, uh, very good resource. Every man's Talmud by Abraham Cohen. All right. So we got, uh, we're just hitting an hour. So, um, no new questions are coming up. Now's your chance to ask some last second questions. Yep. Otherwise, we're going to wrap this up and go to the after part is, which is in the Discord. And it's for the Patreon supporters exclusively. So whether or not you're giving a dollar or you're giving $10,000, doesn't matter what you're giving. You get access, <clears throat> excuse me, to the after part is after the show where you can 1v1 us. You can talk with us. You can make fun of us. You can be sarcastic with us. Uh, whatever it is you want to do, you you uh, you rate that time, and it's a good time. We uh, love hanging out with our with with you guys. <laughs> a lot of you guys that are in the chat now will be with us in the after part. As oh, we got a question. Oh, good question. Yep. What is the soul of the Moshiach? Yep. And it's <laughs> yeah, I was going to say this is a this is it's a spectacular question because you know okay so did did he give up the the nefesh in this aspect or the neshma which I think we would agree would have been the Torah itself at that at that at that point um I don't I don't so, know. That's a good question, actually, though. The reason this is a good question is because this is actually a a question that I have proposed to uh, Trinitarians in the past. Uh, um, because here's the idea. Uh, we like to say 100% man, 100% God, and that's like the Trinitarian definition. Uh, it's more accurate as a Trinitarian to say holy man, holy God. Um, so uh, with that understanding in place as a from the Trinitarian perspective, um, it means that he has to be fully and wholly human in every human aspect. Well, we humans have a human soul. 
So part of the Aryan controversy was, did Yeshua have a human soul? Right. And if he did, doesn't that diminish the divinity? And if he had a divine soul and not a human soul, then that diminishes the humanity. And that's right. part of the debate. And so you can't have both. If he doesn't have a human soul, then he's more divine than human. It diminishes from the humanity. So he wouldn't be wholly human. He wouldn't be fully human. And then likewise, the other way around, if he's fully human, then it diminishes from the divine soul because um, the two are incompatible. And so that's part of the debate. And once you once you sort of bring that question back into the forefront of the Trinitarian mind, right? Because that's part of the, the, the Aryan controversy that nobody likes to talk about, but now we're talking about it. Uh, you will actually find that most people think of Yeshua not having a wholly human essence, uh, that he is a diminished human soul in some way because you have to amplify the divinity. Uh, and that's my experience anyway. So my my final answer on this actually would, would tend to be, now that I've thought about it for just a little bit, I'm going to think <laughs> about it some more, but the answer that I tend towards now uh, would be that he's referring to the Nefesh. Here's why. This is this is the statement of his death, right? Yeah. This is the point at which he died. Now, the the Neshma has its purpose and its function, um, but in order for us to continue to serve the purpose and function of the Neshma, we have to satisfy the Nefesh to at least some extent. That's the that's the thing that we have to keep fed in order to maintain life. So without that, you are not alive, right? Ergo, yeah. what he gave up here, being the point of his death, would have been the nefesh. Yeah, his nefesh would have been what he gave up. Because again, there's two souls in Judaism. And once you bring that back into the forefront, okay, we have two souls in Judaism. So which soul was diminished in Jesus's humanity? Uh, and does that still diminish his humanity? Of course. And so, <laughs> Right. It's its own... There's actually a lot more to this Aryan controversy thing than most people uh, let on, at least in my opinion. Um, but, you know, uh, full disclosure, we're not Trinitarians, so of course we have a slight bias towards that uh, mindset. Yep. Um, okay, so we're uh, hour seven minutes in. So yep. just, just over an hour technically, because five minutes of that is just intro music. Um, so join us in the Discord. Link is in the description. And if you're a Patreon supporter, we'll see you in the after part as. Yes. Um, if you want to support the channel financially, Patreon slash alternate media. Don't forget to spell alternate correctly. All A's, only only an E at the end of alternate. <laughs> yep, we're also on TikTok. Most of you know we're on TikTok. Most of you found us on TikTok, but there are some of you who I, I gather have found us on YouTube and are not on TikTok. So if you have TikTok or you want to find us on TikTok, um definitely look for us on tiktok yes uh and same spelling alternate media seamus and then alternate media, alternate media brad. brad yeah that's you not me cool um so i think that's it no more questions are popping up so i think it's safe to move into the after parties lounge yeah. where we will chill out have some more some more whiskey and take some further questions i hope this episode has been informative um, I hope we've been able to give you something to look into some more if, if we didn't answer every question, um, but otherwise a good starting place and uh, brought some clarity. Otherwise, 
Uh, have you got any last words before we uh, before we cheers off? No, that- no, I can't. I can't think of any. Or you know, the ruach didn't give me any. So <laughs> okay, there, guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. It, it's always it's a great time. Uh, appreciate everybody who sits in to watch and everybody who watches uh, afterwards. As always, uh, a special thank you to everybody who supports us on Patreon. We love you guys um, and gals. And uh, (laughs) Lechaim. Lechaim.